Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk. Co-hosting with me, Chris. You feel that, Chris? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I, can you feel that? I'm, I'm just moving in my chair because I'm so excited to our, with our guest today. I know you are, Chris. I, you know what, Chris? I'm gonna go ahead and let you introduce our guest because I know he's a big Bronco fan, boy. He's a Bronco oh, fan. Hold me back now. <laughs> go so, ahead, Chris. <laughs> perfect. Um, I want everyone to 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 know that we have one of the greatest linebackers ever played in, in football. We have Carl Mecklenburg on with us. How are you doing today, Carl? I'm doing great, Chris. How oh, you doing, Carl? That's so good to hear. Hey, James. Carl, uh, and she's so excited because that's all she is. You know, when we're doing things and we talk about sports, she's Bronco, Bronco, Bronco. I'm like, oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I go at her with the Eagles. I'd be like, no, the Eagles are... No, they're not. But she's excited, and I'm glad to have you. I appreciate you taking the time. Well, I'm happy to be here. I uh, I never really enjoyed playing in Philadelphia, and that on that field, <laughs> that stadium was rough, man. <laughs> Remember that? That's how, that's how I tore my knee up. Remember that? That stadium with yeah. the surf and the concrete kind of knee? Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and, Part you know along the hash was all worn out and uh, the the pollution like <laughs> turned it all greasy and <laughs> I mean it was bad. <laughs> you know that's how I tore my knee up in my career on that stuff. Because we like to start off, you know, get the listeners, you know, because we got a lot of young listeners and uh, what we try to do, I man, Chris is like get them something, you know, to um, look forward to and hear like former players talk about. Tell, tell about yourself, you know, college and where you play the pro and, and what you do. Well, um, I, I, was, uh, I was a college walk-on, actually. I, I walked on at uh, Augustana College in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, a little Division II school. Uh, played there for a couple years on a partial scholarship. Um, when they took that away, I, I left and, and walked on at the University of Minnesota. Um, Earned a scholarship there, uh, played a couple years there as a, as a defensive tackle. Uh, the Broncos drafted me. Um, second day of the draft, middle of the night, I uh, was the 310th pick of the draft in 1983, uh, 12th rounder. Um, ended up uh, making the team as a third down pass rusher and a special teams player. Uh, along the line, uh, eventually they, they moved me over to linebacker, and that's something I'd never done before in my life. I, uh, I got a chance to, to play linebacker that year. I got a chance to start in the 10th game of that year. Um, finished out the season as a linebacker, uh, was, was a, uh, a Pro Bowl linebacker that year, um, and, uh, my, and my career took off. Wow. Did you ever think that, I mean, Starting off, and like you say, you had to walk on. How was you just persevere and just said, you're going to do this? So what, what inspired you to keep going on, girl? You know, James, I, I love the game. Um, and I, I even in high school, I was, a, I was a JV player as a junior in high school. Um, when, when I graduated high school, I was six feet tall and 200 pounds. I grew three inches and 40 pounds my first year of college. Um, I always loved the game. I was going to play the game until somebody made me go home. Uh, eventually, uh, my, after my last year, I finally decided enough. I'm not going to wait any longer, and I, and, and I retired. But it was, uh, it was always a passion of mine. And, and if there's something that, uh, that is important to you, uh, you've got to pursue it with reckless abandon and, and uh, you know, all, all, uh, all your focus on, on that. And that's, that's what I did. I, uh, I, I loved the game, and, and I figured out ways around it, my limitations and, uh, and uh, you know, just worked hard at it. Now, Carl, sure, one on thing up. that I was reading about is one reason why the bigger colleges didn't really consider you, because they viewed, viewed you being too small, too small of a player. You know, right, but like I said, I was six, six feet, two hundred pounds. That's that's not big enough to play defensive tackle just about anywhere. That's right. a safety, you know. 
But there's many, many things that you had going for you. And what the first thing was determination, belief in yourself, and that one thing that they, they keep talking about is how fast you were for a defensive end. Yeah, I was quick. Um, I, I was not. I was not fast, Chris. Actually, uh, my my uh, my forty time was a four nine forty. Um, so I wasn't. I wasn't fast. But as a as a defensive lineman, if I ever had to run forty yards, and even as a linebacker, if I ever had to run forty yards, we were in big trouble anyway. I. I uh, what what made me successful in the NFL and and at other levels of football was uh, what I what I call decisiveness. Uh, being prepared, uh, identifying what's what's happening, and 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 going, uh, and, and going before anybody else does. Uh, if if you take the first step in the right direction before anybody else does, all the angles change in your favor. Uh, the, the fullback can't keep you from getting the line of scrimmage. The tight end can't pin you in. The guard can't cut you off. Everything changes, uh, and, and the way you do that is through preparation. Through understanding what you're seeing and, and the formation and uh, the time of the game and all those things uh, feed into it and, and uh, you know moving as soon as you know as soon as you have even an inkling of what uh, what's going on that's the time to go if if you wait uh, you're too late right you know Carl I want to talk, talk a little bit more about because it's amazing how you know uh, a lot of these kids now they get these scholarships they got to scholarship day on TV now, but you didn't have one. I have a lot of kids when I go speak, and they feel like they let themselves down because they haven't received a scholarship. Can you like talk to them, explain, you know, you really, like, you get walked on. I mean, you can't still make it in life, you know. You just got to go another direction, Certainly. right? Yeah. Yeah, James, to, to me, success is overcoming obstacles on the way to your dreams. That's what it is, and uh, and you're going to run into obstacles. If you have extravagant dreams, if there's places you want to get to that are that are above and beyond what other people are expecting of you, and even maybe of, of what you uh, you believe of in yourself, you're going to run into obstacles. And when when you do, you're going to have to figure out a way around them, through them, over them, uh, and, and and a lot of times that's just a lot of hard work. Uh, and 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 you know, allowing yourself to be in situations that uh, that you know you're you're not at the top, but you're going to work hard anyway. Uh, like I said, I was a uh, I was a 310th pick of the draft of that year. That was 20 guys away from Mr. Irrelevant. That's the last guy I picked. Um, nobody expected me to make it uh, except myself. And under those circumstances, uh, you've got to focus on the on the dream. You got you, you you set goals that take you another step closer to the dream, and then just yeah. keep working and keep working and keep plugging. And as long as you're doing that, you got a chance. Hey, Chris? Carl, I'd like to go back to when you actually played at the University of of Minnesota. When you were there, Mike Shanahan was offensive coordinator, and Tony Dungy was a graduate assistant. So you actually, at that time, you probably weren't aware of it at the time, but you had these great coaches that were going to go on and to the pros, and and they were going to be a part of your future. Yeah, there, there. Uh, I, I had great coaches through the years. I was truly blessed when I when I started at Augustana College. Um, I got there. the uh, The defensive line coach was a guy named. Pastor Pete, uh, named it Richard Peterson is his real name, but Pastor Pete was the defensive line coach. He was a uh, assistant dean of men. He had been the defensive line coach there for years, knew, knew uh, a great deal about football, uh, and, and was also a Lutheran pastor. And it was the first time in my life I'd ever seen that combination of, of, a, of a, a man of faith, uh, a, man, a man of letters, a, a great uh, scholar, and uh, and, a, and a tough, hardcore football guy, and and to see that in one place, uh, you know, that that's who I wanted to be. Um, I got uh, I got to the University of Minnesota, uh, played under uh, Coach Wynn uh, at the time. He had played uh, for the Raiders for a short period of time. Uh, taught me that uh, if if you can rush the passer, they're going to find a place for you in the NFL. And and there was no question about it. That's how I made the team. Um, Shanahan was there when I when I first got there. Uh, like you said, Tony Dungy was the graduate assistant. Um, great guy, already understood so much about football and taught us uh, how to persevere. Even though we were we were all walk-ons, we were all freshmen, scrubs, whatever guys that 
were kind of on the fringe, uh, but he taught us about the, the value of hard work and, and of, of, of being a team member and making, making it possible for the guys that are actually going to be out on the field to be their best by, by working hard against them every day in practice. Uh, Mike Shanahan obviously had a great career in the pros. Uh, he was there when I first got there, just kind of met him as I was coming in, and he was heading out, but, uh, but also a guy that was very uh, instrumental in, in uh, Denver Broncos history and, and in the history of the University of Minnesota. You know, you know Carl, I want to talk a little more, too, about what made you pick Augustine College to go there, to walk on? I mean, was there yeah, you know, yeah, I, I had I had some opportunities. The University of Minnesota um, had recruited me out of high school, but on signing day, they they came to me and said we didn't have a scholarship for you. The guy who they didn't expect to sign, a guy who was also being recruited by Notre Dame, ended up signing at the university, and and that cut me out. Uh, I was mad. Uh, I looked around, and and my father's a doctor. I I was uh, looking to become a doctor too, so uh, I wanted to go to a a college program that not only had a football program, but also uh, had a great program in, in the area of study that I wanted uh, to study. And there was, there was a number of Division II schools that were interested in me, but Augustana had a real strong uh, science program, uh, and that's what I was going to go into, so, so that's where I went. And I, I, think a lot of, um, I think a lot of young athletes don't realize that the value of their college scholarship Obviously, they're going to have an experience of, of playing their sport wherever they go. But but the real value of it is the education they're going to get. And if they can find a place that meets their needs from an academic standpoint, that ultimately is more important than the than the football standpoint or basketball standpoint or whatever that whatever sport they're playing. So uh, so that's how I ended up at Augustana. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 that's that's impressive that people would. Yeah, they they have to look at that. That the education is almost or should be considered more important than the actual sport. But truth be told, there's a lot of them that view it the other way. You know, it's just in, well, in, you know, in, I, in I, I, means for I, them. If, if if you think about it from just a life, your your lifetime as a, as a human being, I, I played a super. I mean, I, I played 12 years in the NFL. Um, I retired at 34 with more than two thirds of my working life ahead of me. Uh, that that ability to learn how to learn, that ability to to find yourself in the right academic situation, even if you have a long NFL career, ultimately kicks in as a, a bigger chunk of your life. I, I've been a professional speaker longer than I was a, a professional football player. I mean, that's, it's it, it's it's uh, it's real easy when you're young to look at it and say, you know, it, it, what, whatever happens today is the most important thing. It's not. Uh, life life is long, and and uh, you you got to think with a long term view. That's true. So this one we we gotta take a break. I got the music in my ear. We come back. Uh, I know Chris still smiling, Carl. She's smiling. That's what's right. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll be right one and only time to actually get to talk to you. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports. 
You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or drop an email to Loving That Sports Talk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk and co host of Chris and Phil Smiling. Oh, still smiling. Huge smile on my face. And <laughs> hey, we got a former NFL player from Carl Mecklenburg. Carl, thank you again. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. I'm, I, I always enjoy uh, this type of opportunity, and, and like I said, uh, thanks. So, I so Carl. Like talk, little, I'll go real quick, Chris. I know you, yeah, but. Talk a little bit about, I know a lot of athletes, a lot of young players, you know, we get email after the show, and they always want to say, you know, like, how did you keep your friends, you know, from, you know how a lot of uh, players have guys they hang out with, they grew up with, some of them good, some bad. I remember Chris Carter told me, you know, because I used to live with him, he's like, I couldn't hang out with my friends back in Ohio because they were all bad. I had to change my image. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fortunately, I didn't have that problem. Uh, most of my fan, my friends were uh, back in Minnesota. I got drafted out here in Denver and uh, came out to Denver, and uh, there was there was uh, there was not that, that that challenge really at that point. And and once I came out to Denver, I stayed in Denver. I didn't I didn't go back to Minnesota. We got a house out here, and I got married, and uh, you know started a new life. Yeah, it was too cold in Minnesota. It doesn't bother me. My wife, on the other hand, it was too cold in Minnesota. Well, yeah, but p- part of part of why I think you you stayed on the straight and narrow is because of your wife, because you guys met, you know, at a, at was it high school? You guys met? Yeah, yeah. Kathy and, was and my. You guys went Kathy, on and, and Kathy Northfield was her last name. She was my uh, my chemistry lab partner in, as a <laughs> as a junior in high school, and uh, the chemistry was just right. We're we're still together. Wow, yeah. Carl, that's amazing. I thought my mom and dad was the only one that met in high school still together. <laughs> yeah, well, she put up with a lot of stuff through the years. So yeah, <laughs> pretty much for sure. Time, you know. But but it, but it depends on how you deal with things because at one point you guys were on di- she was on the the east or the west coast because well, didn't she go to USC and then that's when you went to yeah. University of Minnesota and that's then when true. you yeah. signed yeah, that, with Denver you know, you then you guys got back together you know it's true love if someone's going to leave La Jolla California and come to Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's some truth to it. True love. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful, boy. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. But yeah, that's so she's, yeah, you're right. She's been she's been my inspiration. She's been uh, been the uh, the mom and the dad too many times because I'm gone and working and doing whatever. Um, but uh, but but you know it, it, the great thing about retiring at, at a young age is you get to spend some time with your kids and that was one of the reasons I left is uh, I, I got a chance to coach my oldest son's high school football team and uh, you know raise, be involved in raising my daughter and my, my youngest son is just now a college student out at uh, Chapman University in Orange, in Orange, California. Okay, I heard of Chapman. Yep, yep. Go ahead, Chris. So, so Carl, before you actually got draft, drafted um in the NFL didn't you all didn't you also get drafted by the USFL Yeah I did you know everything and about me man I was the uh I think I was a 32nd rounder uh, is that right did you look 21st. it up yeah, I, mean, I was I was I was so far down the line but I did actually go to a uh uh off-season workout uh, with the Chicago Blitz. Uh, it was held in a in a um, high school, a closed-down high school gym. Um, George Allen was their coach. George Allen was the old-time coach who coached uh, the Redskins to some championships. was a was a big name coach, and uh, he was on his last legs there with the Chicago Blitz. And uh, I got out there, and and we ran some drills on the gym floor there. And the, the defensive line coach at that time was a guy named John Turlink. John Turlink ended up being the Broncos' uh, defensive line coach uh, the years they won their first two Super Bowls. 
mm-hmm. and, and every time I saw John, I gave him a hard time because he told me I, was, I wasn't good enough to make it in the USFL, so I, so I went out with the Broncos. So, yeah, I gave him a hard time every time I saw him about that. Yeah, and, and, then, and then you got drafted by the Broncos after that. Right. Yeah. And and one of the reasons I didn't uh I didn't sign with the USFL was uh I would have had to drop out of school and I realized uh-huh. that yeah. the the importance of college I was I was uh you know one semester away from from graduating with my degree in biology and I'd already taken the the entrance exam exam for medical school and was was going to go that way if I didn't end up making the team. Yeah. Carl, do you do you remember that league they was coming out with it was going to be the PSFL, Professional Spring Football League. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> was that something you thought about? I did go out and try out. That was a joke. But I did go out there. I went to New Mexico and tried it out. It was like Tony Rice was there, a couple of you. But I was like, wow, what league is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a different thing. Now, the USFL had signed some big-name guys. Uh, you know, they had uh, Reggie White, and they, you know, they had uh, some other guys like that that were their top quality guys, but a, a, lot, a lot of the players were were just, especially at Chicago Bears, Chicago Blitz Camp, they were uh, they were old Coach Allen's old guys from, from Washington, you know, they had already played 15 years in the NFL, and they were trying to get a couple more paychecks by, by playing in the, in the USFL. <laughs> Yeah, that's how this league was. <laughs> but it didn't unfold it like the next day. <laughs> wow, okay. So, did, did you get your signing bonus? <laughs> no. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, kind of like the, the BBB3 or, you know, league that they have. But, but actually, uh, that, that's that's a decent league. But we're not going to go into that since we're talking football. <clears throat> So, I understand you had a couple of nicknames when you were a Bronco. You know, the Snow Goose and the Albino Rhino. Yeah. <laughs> you never get to choose those, you know. If 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 uh, if you're going to get a nickname, it's not something you made up yourself. It's usually, you know, if, if you're going to get named Spider-Man, it's because a spider bit you and you, and you fainted or something. <laughs> so, yeah, the... <laughs> Those were those were not self-inflicted, but uh, it, it's fun to have have a nickname and and have people excited about you for sure. Nice, Carl. Kind of, um, I like to do it at the end, but I know Chris got. But kind of give us a story like when you first got in the NFL. Is this story that you know that happened to you in a game or something? You know. Yeah. Well. Um, when when I when I knew I made it, uh, I, fir- I first got there. Uh, they, ha- they had me a nose guard. I was a, a defensive tackle at the University of Minnesota. I uh, was you know a preseason All American at the University of Minnesota. My, my senior year ended up uh, ended up uh, not able to rush the passer the way I had the year before because uh, we were behind so much all the time. No one threw the ball against us. Um, so. I- so I got drafted late like that, and and I came out to came out to the Broncos, and I tore a ligament in my elbow early in training camp. And from retrospect, I, I would think you know I probably was headed for IR, uh, injured reserve. Uh, but the first preseason game, they they moved me after I tore the ligament in my elbow. They moved me out to defensive end because you don't have to lock your arms out quite as quite as much at defensive end. And I got matched up against Seattle's um, starting tackle for some reason he was probably in trouble I guess he was still playing in the third quarter and, and I got matched up against him and, and got uh, two sacks and forced a fumble that quarter Elway was named offensive player of the game I was named defensive player of the game and, and basically made the team as a, as a pass rusher at that point nice wow Go ahead, all right so I, I want to kind of talk a little bit about some stuff with the Broncos um, the first one I, that kind of intrigues me is, is, is there any comparison to the Broncos team that you played on and the Broncos team, in the, 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 the present Broncos team in the last four to five years? Wow. Um, you know, our, our team, when I, especially when I first got there in 1983, that, I was a rookie the same year John Elway was and Gary Kubiak was. Um, actually, 13 rookies made it that year. So we were a young team. Uh, we were a team that, 
that uh, also had some veterans, some guys that had been great defensive players, particularly for years. Uh, the, the Orange Crush defense, the guys that played in the Super Bowl uh, against the Cowboys in 77, uh, that group was still there. And so we came in and, and, and got mentored by those guys and, and brought up by those guys. And, and, and I think you can see that with the Broncos this year. Um, they've got a, a solid veteran defense, uh, but a lot of young players too, a lot of young guys that are coming in and just a uh, guy, guy like Adam Gotsis, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> pretty rough coming out of college, but he, he's figuring it out and he's, he's going to be a good player. Uh, Simmons, uh, the, the safety that they just, uh, just moved in, uh, in TJ Ward's spot. Uh, obviously the quarterback situation, they got young quarterbacks, they got young offensive linemen, they got that starting tackle that, uh, was a first-round draft choice this year. So they, they've got a lot of young guys that are being mentored by the older guys, and you can see it coming together already this early in the season. And that's, I, I think that's probably the closest connection I can see between the, between the two. Are, are you surprised that they're 2-0 and over right now based on who they no. played the first two games? No? I'm really not. I, um, I expected them to beat, uh, beat San Diego. Uh, generally, uh, they've had good success against San Diego through the years, particularly at home. Um, and, and the Cowboys are, are a team that's very predictable. Uh, it, they're they're going to line up in a two deep zone nine times out of ten on defense. They're going to they're going to run the ball, uh, you know, just try to beat you up up front uh, as as an offense. And and if you know what's coming and you have the personnel to to counteract that, you know, it's not it's not it's not a difficult thing. It's it's almost like college football where where they do what they do and they're not going to adjust to what you do. I, I think a, a professional team, a team that makes the adjustments and 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 game plans the way the Broncos are capable of game planning can can beat that type of team uh, nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. So, so we got to take a break, Chris. When we come back, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about you know that and try to get into some stuff about the concussion. Is that okay, Carl? All right, sounds good. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk. So awesome, Chris. You see all that? I know you are. Hi. You know I am. I'm not going anywhere. And we have former field player Carl 
Carl, don't leave us. Keep talking to us. <laughs> All right, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl, we want to talk a little bit of concussion, but I want to tell you a little story that I'm disappointed. When I was in uh, Wyoming, my agent came to me and they said, I don't know if you remember this, they was going to tr- trade for Tony Dorsett, and they were going to get rid of two of the Amigos. And they go, oh, they get rid of the receiver, then we're going to draft you. I'm like, all right, cool. I had a party and all like that. But the deal didn't go through. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, don't, I didn't. I didn't know that. But Tony ended up on our team uh, eventually. I guess it was uh-huh. must have been the next year. Dan, Dan Reeves was, uh, you know, obviously was a cowboy. I grew grew up under a Tom Landry. Uh, anytime, anytime the Cowboys cut somebody, he came through our camp. I mean, it was unbelievable how many ex Cowboys we had at at training camp and, and trying out for us through the years. So so that doesn't surprise me. And, I, and I'm, that's too bad, James. You know, you could have been a Bronco, man. I know. You, you was good in orange. <laughs> I was all excited. It was like, all right, I'm going down the road. And then the, the trade didn't go through that. And I was all disappointed. Yeah. But it's okay, though. I still, you know, love a Bronco somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> oh, no. We'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, a lot, a lot going on about concussion. They ask people, you know, former players, would you let your kids play what we know nowadays? Can you talk a little bit about that, Carl, please? Sure. Yeah, and I get asked that all the time. And, and my response more, you know, when I have a young young parents, young family come up and, and ask me about that, to me um, – the game is safer than it's ever been. Uh, the, they they uh, teach the kids to tackle without leading with their head. Like I mean, before when I was playing, it was you know put your put your nose right under that guy's chin and and, and light him up. That's that's how we played the game. Uh, anytime I took on a blocker, I was told to you know hit him with my forehead and my and my hands at the same time. That's how you took on blockers. Uh, that's all changed. And then if you do have a concussion. Uh, they treat it seriously. They, they don't. They don't look at it as, uh, oh, you got dinged, have a little smelling salts, get back in the game. Uh, now, now it's a it's a serious injury, and they they take it seriously. Now, when I get approached by these young parents, my response is, if you have a child like I was, who is going to run into things with their head anyway, uh, you might as well have a helmet on and some supervision. I mean, that's that's who I was. I was an aggressive kid, and, and football is a great outlet for aggressive kids. Um, my dad tells a story about my first football game. I'm, I'm 10 years old. Uh, we're playing football fundamentals. You know, everybody had their own jersey they brought from home. Uh, you know, you, you got your tape with your name on it across your, your helmet. I mean, it was full pads now. It was, it was full contact. And, and my dad got there after, after work, and, and I had just finished playing, and I was sitting on the sidelines, and he thought I'd be sad that he had missed my first game and put his arm around me and asked me what I thought about football. And, and my response as a 10-year-old was, Dad, I really love to smash guys. I mean, I was, I was a linebacker. That's who I was. <laughs> yeah, that's always always interesting thing. But, um, so, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so the, the the concussions. I I read that you had anywhere from ten to a dozen concussions during your football career, and there was times that, of course, that you know you, <clears throat> nowadays you're having problems with uh, remembering people's names and. Some of the issues that uh, other other players are having, you know, regarding sure. all yeah, that. Yeah, no, I've I've had some I've had some uh, some issues. I'm 57 years old. I don't know if it's that uh, that's who I am or if it's football related. Every time I lose my keys, I think, oh no, here it comes. But I, you know, truthfully, I've I've learned to, to adjust. Uh, I, I have challenges with, uh, as a speaker, I go, uh, you know, I'm parking at the airport, I'm, I'm uh, going to a different hotel room all the time, and, I, you know, I take pictures with my phone of, of where I parked and, you know, what the hotel room is, and, you know, I've, I've learned to adjust, and, and, and things are going well. Um, I, 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 I wish I'd have known. Uh, I, I wish the NFL would have told us when they were aware that there was uh, long-term issues with concussions. But I, I wouldn't change what I did. I, I loved playing football. Um, I, I would have just come out when I had a concussion like they do now. Right. Well, yeah, that movie concussion that Will Smith did, um, 
I, I know J- James won't watch that movie, but it's it's a great movie. You know, yeah, it has I, a I, lot of I, good I watched information the movie in it. And, uh, I, I knew a number of the guys that were depicted in the movie, and, yeah. and uh, you know, Gene, Junior Sayer was a good friend of mine. Um, you know, that 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 whole situation is, is difficult because CTE is a is a scary thing. Obviously, um, it's not anything that uh, that you want to you want to develop. That's for sure. But uh, to me, the risk of football has always been injury, um, and and that's. That's what you've got away. Uh, are you are you are you willing to take that risk on uh, to have to play the, you know the greatest game there is? And and to me the answer was yes. Um, and I think it would have been yes too, even if I knew about the concussion issue, uh, because I would have treated concussions differently than than we treated them. I had three concussions my last football season, uh, and it took me until about April to to really come around from them. And 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 it, I'm glad uh, I'm glad I did come around from them. Some guys don't. Right. Wow. It must have been really bad, huh, Carl? Well, you know, it's it. I've, I've been uh, I've been through it a little bit, but it, you know what? Once again, I I, lo- I love the game. Uh, I learned so much from about myself, uh, about uh, leadership, about dealing with others uh, on the football field, in the locker room. Um, in those situations, in those stress situations that that every fan sees when they turn on a television set. I mean, it's real obvious to say this this group is a team, this group is a bunch of guys playing for themselves. You can see it right there. Uh, the fact of the matter is those, those same uh, interactions, those same uh, challenges uh, are faced in every family, uh, in every business, in, in every community. Uh, it's just not as obvious as it is on the football field. So what I'm doing now really relates back to my my time in the NFL, and and the the, the lessons I learned there are, are, are invaluable. You know, Charles, you said you said something that like you talk a little bit more about because a lot of listen, a lot of people watch football, and I don't understand that players are like a family. The locker room is a family, you know, and um, it's like you there so much with them, and you're around them, and you get to know them. I mean, it's like. It's your brothers, you know. Your coaches are like a father to you. Uh, explain that a little bit more because people don't understand that's a good part of a, being a good family, you know, because I had, you know, I was in locker room with Reggie White, uh, Jerome Brown, and they took everybody in, no matter who you were. You was a football player in their locker room. You was a brother. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, there's there's any, any good team. Uh operates that way where the older guys mentor the younger guys uh when i got to the broncos like i said earlier there was a group of guys that had already played in the super bowl were were veteran guys and and i had just replaced one of their friends uh and and instead of being bitter about it and, and shutting me out they they understood that for this team to function we all had to be headed in the same direction and they, they took me under their arms and taught me how, not only how to be a football player but but how to be a man and and that that relationship that that uh closeness uh lasts to this day i mean i'm i've been out of football for 22 years uh, i was just in an, at an event uh last week where a bunch of old ball players were there and i mean it was like we were we were teammates to this day uh you know just fell right back into the same pattern of relationship and just just wonderful uh Fathers, brothers, uh, like you said, these, these, this is my family, and, and and you develop that when you go through challenges together, when you when you fight problems together, when you when you're honest and you're forgiving with each other. I mean, you sit in those in those meeting rooms and you watch film, and and the coaches point out everything you did wrong, and everything the guy sitting next to you did wrong, and everything the guy sitting next to him did wrong, and, and you're just getting yeah. undressed in front of each other. There's no there's no question about. Uh, what your level of effort is, the question is about are you doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And, it, and if you sit through, through those meetings and, and, and you learn to, to, to build yourself up from, from those defeats, from those, those and, and it doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, I, I was a all-pro for six years. I was still wrong about 10% of the time. And the coach had no problem pointing it out to me in the meeting room in front of my peers. So, so that that experience of growth together and, and working together to try and get better uh, goes on forever when you're when you're a teammate like that. That's true. Hmm. <laughs> I see. 
I seen the coaches get on Reggie White. I was like, whoa, yeah. they're getting on him like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, <laughs> it's all about the team, right? It's not about the guy. Right. right. Ahead, not Chris. individual. So, But speaking about a team, <laughs> Carl, what team did you like to play against the most? And I'm sure there was uh, one opposing player whose number you had. <laughs> the Raiders and Marcus Allen. <laughs> yeah, that was they were our nemesis. Uh, every game was within three points. If you if you go back and look, it's amazing. Every game was within three points, and whoever won the first game won the second game generally uh, through that through that time period when I was playing. Um, and, and for some reason, where I threw my arms uh, is right where Marcus Allen held the ball, and I made him fumble a bunch of times. So uh, he, he and I went at it, and whenever I was blitzing, he was the guy trying to cut block me. And you know, it was it was a battle between Marcus and I through those years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Marcus was great though. But like you say, you can get them. That's the players you want to try hard against. You know, players like that. There you go. If you're going to be the best, you got to beat the best. Yeah, mm-hmm. beat the best. You're right. So, so speaking about being the best, Carl, you were considered the NFL's, mo- NFL's most versatile player since you could and have played all seven defensive front positions. You even played all seven positions in a single game. You know, how was how, how that for you? Well, the, the coach is uh, moving me around trying to put me at the point of attack, and I'm a defensive player who wants to make the tackle. There's there's no better place to be than the point of attack. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, I was fortunate. Uh, you had to have the right group of guys. Uh, every time I moved – now, I had, to, I had to know seven defensive front positions, and I had to know how to play each of them and what the differences were and the footwork and the, and the vision and the assignments. But – Every time I moved, that meant, meant somebody else had to move too. So everybody on that defense, defensive front had to know at least two positions. Um, and, and, and you you generally don't have a group of guys like that. We had we had a bright group of guys who could who could make the adjustments and they could take advantage of our strengths um, by making those moves. And, and it was a uh, it was a team deal, no doubt about it. People had to step aside to let me take their place, and, and that's a. That's a lot of pressure now. If, if 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 a coach says, "Okay, Mecklenburg, you're going to play outside linebacker on this play," then I better make the play when I'm out there at outside linebacker if it comes at me. Um, and that that was uh, that was uh, pressure, but it was also welcome. I I love to have the those kind of challenges. Um, and and, and uh, Coach Collier was as as bright a person as there ever has been at at uh, a defensive coordinator position. Great. Great man, a guy who came up with a lot of the defensive stuff they're doing to this day. Uh, Carl, Carl, do you ever feel like in a game you did, you could have did better? So I remember I said, Coach, say, "Oh, you did great. You know, it was a great catch. You did blocking, but as yourself, you always want to do more each game, don't you?" There's no doubt, James. I, when people ask me about what plays do I remember. You know, and like I said, I haven't played for 22 years. The ones I remember are the ones I didn't make. <laughs> it's like I had this guy covered, and the ball was just like a half an inch from the, my fingertips. I would have knocked it down, and instead they scored a touchdown or whatever. Um, those are the ones I remember. I don't remember the ones I actually made. So uh, that, I, th- I think that's the, the nature of the beast. Uh, never be satisfied. Uh, keep keep working. Uh, you, uh, I, I, I talk to people, and, I, and we lost the Super Bowl three times when I was there. Um, and and I talked to the guys that won the Super Bowl, and ironically, uh, they say a week later, guys are getting traded, they're drafting new players, and it's over. That's the next year. They're, they've moved on, and it's just uh, it's just the nature of the game. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, but 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 one thing though, you got to consider is you at least got to play in the Super Bowl. There's many many players that have been out there for as long long as you have, and they've never once been on on a Super Bowl team. Sure. No, I, I, I was blessed to be on a Super Bowl <clears throat> team, no doubt about it, Chris. I, I love to have those opportunities, and, and I wouldn't have given any of them up. Uh, frustrating to, to go in and, and lose. And each of the three times we lost, we lost for different reasons, uh, different things had gone on, different, you know, different, uh, different challenges that we didn't meet. 
Um, and, and that's football. And, and, and to get ready. I mean, we, we played in three Super Bowls in four years. Uh, it, was a, it was a great core of guys, uh, unbelievable uh, dedication to come back year after year after year, even though you just had your hearts broken at the end of the year. And, and you know, actually into the next year, you, you, your season ends and, and you got to get ready and, and go back at it again. And, and to do that over and over and over again was uh, – showed the the dedication and the 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 courage of those guys Mm -hmm. i think i think um i play receiver i had so much that i had was doing what they was doing because you know i was like small you know and and you know how they played they were were fearful they went and got the ball and that's what they posted as a receiver you know, so I looked at I looked. Oh at man, yeah. We, had, we when I when I was playing James, we had uh, we had Dennis Smith and Steve Atwater at safety. Um, I, I remember get, having a hold of the running back and and hollering at him to get down. Here they come, because <laughs> I didn't want to get hit in the back of the head by those guys either. <laughs> like, yeah, no, we don't, we're not going to fight this out anymore because somebody's going to get hurt, and I don't want it to be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's, it was a different game back then. Though. The, the mm-hmm. idea was to knock each other out, and uh, yeah, you, you didn't want to go across the middle with uh, with Atwater and, and Dennis Smith in the middle there. Yeah, that's true. So I, I know that uh, Carl, you give a lot of motivational speeches. Um, when when you're you're walking away from from the stage, what's the main thing or point that you want most people to take away with them after hearing your talk? Well, we and and I brought it up earlier that success is overcoming obstacles on the way to your dreams. There's universal keys, uh, and they that apply in football, that apply in business, that apply in family life, that apply in communities, and those those are the things I talk about. I talk about teamwork with leadership being the ultimate expression of teamwork, courage, the courage to try new things, and the courage to be decisive, dedication, which I describe as hard work, constant learning, refusing to quit, desire, that's that overriding passion, mission. Uh, honesty and forgiveness with yourself and self-evaluation and then with others and finally goal setting uh, the little steps that get you to where you want to go and I and I uh, I present this stuff uh, with with stories um, and it's not no PowerPoint it they're, they're stories but they're all stories that apply to the to that main thing of, of overcoming obstacles on the way to your dreams so I, I, I know that <laughs> there's a video game you know, a few video games where you're actually appearing in the game. Does, does, does that bother you to see these cartoon little character of yourself on it? <laughs> I was I was the man in Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that was uh, that was licensed through the Players Association, and I was the uh, longtime Players Association rep for the for the Broncos, and <laughs> so I got superpowers in Tecmo Bowl. So that was really fun. Nice. Like I said, I wasn't the fastest guy on the football field. I was quick, but I wasn't. I wasn't fast like on Tecmo Bowl. I was running down Bo Jackson on Tecmo Bowl. So that, uh, yeah, that was a different thing. Yeah. So, so Carl, let's talk a little you, bit about your charity you, work. Yeah, you know, I, I understand that you're founder of the Reach Foundation. Yeah, the Reach Foundation isn't around anymore, Chris. That went out of business oh. uh, a couple years ago. But it was a great program. We. Uh, we uh, were involved with the reading program in Denver Public Elementary Schools, um, and and we in, uh, we incentivized the kids to read. Uh, we you know if you, if you read a certain number of, of minutes that week, you get a you get a prize. You get you know you get a a pizza or you get a sticky lips or a pencil holder or you know or something. Uh, and and we did, and then at the end of the year, the kids that read the most or the the person that made the most gains in their reading uh, that year got to come down to an event at Mile High Stadium. It was a, it was a great program. Unfortunately, the, the funding dried up and, and, uh, and we had to move on. Uh, right now, yeah. I'm working with uh, Food Bank of the Rockies, which is uh, a group uh, here in Denver that uh, is, is 
instrumental in the food banks across Colorado and and Wyoming, and they bring in the food stuff and get the stuff from the not only from from donors but also from the the restaurants, from the uh, grocery stores, and, and get it all shipped out to all the various food banks in in the area. And it's a, it's a great group. I've been a the Broncos representative for the Taste of the NFL, which is a fundraiser for food banks uh, across the country every year at the Super Bowl, and that. that uh, raises over a million dollars each year uh, that gets divided am- among the, the, all the NFL cities uh, food banks. So it's it's a it's a cool deal. Nice. Oh, that's good. How long have you been doing that for? Well, with the food bank, uh, the taste of the NFL is it's been almost a decade now. I think it's nine years. Oh. This will be my tenth year connected to it. That's a great program. I like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a tremendous thing, and you know, there's so many kids that uh, that that just their only meals are are uh, are at school, uh, and and to to bring them, give them opportunities to to eat properly, then they're going to learn properly, then they're going to be able to develop properly, and and have a shot at life. That's true. Right. Wow. Right. That's a great program, Carl. Man. Yeah. So the last thing I'd, I'd like to talk about is when you were with the Broncos defense, <clears throat> you also played with Dennis Smith, Simon Fletcher, Rulon Jones, Rick Dennison, Steve Foley, and Tom Jackson. Um, I'm, I'm, I know you were talking a little bit, you know, about some of the other guys, but do you still keep in contact with these guys? Sure, I see. I see guys off and on. Uh, you know, Tom doesn't live in town anymore, but uh, I see. I just saw Steve Foley at the last game. He was in, in a box with me. Um, uh, Fletcher's in town. Simon Simon runs a uh, a food truck, uh, 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 barbecue ribs food truck thing that he, he delivers uh, to to energy companies and construction sites. And I mean, love love and life like Fletcher always did. Um, yeah, I, I see guys off and on at charity events uh, all the time. Uh, you know, golf tournaments, uh, Bronco events, and so yeah, it's a it's a tight tight knit group that we 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 bled together, we sweated together, and and we're brothers till the end. Yep. Well, Just a well, Chris, we got to end the show, but Carl, I really want to thank you. Uh, like I said, love to have you back on. If anything you need me to do to help. Let me know. Let me and Chris know. I appreciate it. It was my my pleasure to speak to you. And uh, when uh, when you, when uh, you're missing the, the next guest and and uh, you, you want to get me back on, give me a shout. I'd be happy to do it. Uh, well, I'll just put your number on speed dial, okay? <laughs> hey, hey, Carl. So now it's going to be James hey, and Chris and Carl. <laughs> That's yes. the next step. <laughs> yes. It kind of has, has a ring to it, don't you think? There you go. <laughs> Sounds thanks, good. Thanks again, Take care. Carl. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Take care. It was great talking to you. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. 